Welcome to Success Stories brought to you by SNS Activewear. I'm your host, Marshall Atkinson, and this is the podcast that focuses on what's working so you can have success too. Okay, let's talk sales. And if you really want to truly talk sales, let's chat with one of the best in the industry, Tim Gibson. Tim has held major sales roles in some of the top apparel companies in the industry. So what makes a great salesperson? Where do leads come from? How do you keep customers coming back for more? We'll get into all that and more with Tim's unique journey through the industry on today's podcast. So get ready to take some killer notes. Tim, welcome to the Success Stories podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Marshall. Yeah, it's great. And uh, we see each each other all the time, mostly at trade shows. (laughs) Yeah, recently uh, we did again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's kind of fun. So if you guys don't go to trade shows, the people that go to all of them, we all see each other. <laughs> it's kind of like our own little gang, you know. Traveling it's circus. Yes. A, it's a traveling circus. That's right. And Tim has been with multiple companies. I'm sure we're going to talk all about that. But it's he's ever present at the show, right? So, uh, but hey, let's start the show. Are you ready to get going? Yeah, I'm ready when you are. Okay, so I want to start from the beginning, right? So how did you get into this business, right? Because it's kind of like the mafia. You get sucked in and then you can't leave, right? So how did you arrive here, right? So let's talk about the early days and kind of walk us through up until where you are right now. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds cliche because there's so many of us musicians in this industry. And uh, I, like many other of my friends in this business, uh, was also a musician. Uh, It's about... And you still are. (laughs) Yeah, still am. Never gave that up. Never gave up that or this industry. I just stick around. But uh, yeah, I started uh, as a screen printer um, when I was about 19 years old. I was going to college. Uh, to be a sound engineer at a place called uh, College of the Recording Arts in San Francisco, California. And uh, I just needed a job, you know, and I had long hair and tattoos and uh, I didn't want to work a conventional job. You know, I wanted a job where I could I could be my true self and I don't have to worry about how I looked or, you know, how I acted. And uh, I, it was just the perfect fit, you know. So I went to work for this guy in Petaluma, California, uh, originally Eric. For, he had a company called Inc. 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 And uh, he also was a musician and had long hair and tattoos. <laughs> and he only hired musicians and artists, which I thought was really cool because he believed that uh, musicians and artists were more detail oriented and more uh, cared about their work more. They were artists, right? So they would yeah. they would care more about the the craft of screen printing. And and he was right. You know, we we all did. We took it very seriously, and we wanted to do the best possible job at printing that we could. And uh, so, yeah, I worked for him for uh, while I was going to school. And then um, I moved to L.A. and got a job doing um, video production, of all things, when MTV was really starting to kick off. And uh, so I went from sound to video production. And I was doing that 
Uh, I was there for a couple of years and I was playing shows on the Sunset Strip with, uh, you know, lots of other hair metal bands. And uh, so I was a lead singer in, in a band there and uh, met a girl who hated L.A. She was from L.A. and she somehow convinced me to move back to the Bay Area where I was from. <laughs> Um, so I needed a job, you know, there was nobody doing video production using the equipment we're using in Los Angeles. So I, I fell back on screen printing and I, I went to back to work for Eric as his production manager. Uh, then I went to a bigger shop to be their production manager, a retail brand called Life Forms International. I worked at uh, Winterland for a time uh, in San Francisco, which was awesome. Um, and then yeah, I wanted to get into the sales side of the business. So I would, I would, you know, I'd be there and the sales guys would come cruising in, you know, 10, 11 in the morning in their BMWs and Mercedes. And hey, where's my order, Tim? Is my order ready? You know, and I was like, man, I need to do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here, you know, from six in the morning till eight o'clock at night. And uh, I need, I need to do sales. These guys seem like they got it figured out. So I, uh, this guy, Peter took me under his wing and, uh, we went in and told the, uh, the owner of the company that I was at that, you know, Tim, Tim wants to be in sales. And, uh, and was that at Winterland? Where was that? That was at Ink Inc. So I was back. Oh, at okay. Inc. Right. Okay. Point. And, uh, I'd moved around a little bit before I, I became the manager at Ink Inc. And, uh, and he said, absolutely not. You're the best production manager I ever had. There's no way. <laughs> so I said, you know, I've, I got to make more money. You know, by then I, ha I had a kid. I was starting a family. And uh, he said, you know, you're going to hate it. You're going to starve to death, you know, but I'll let you try it three days a week. You know, you can uh, you could go out there and hit the street and keep your job because you're going to be begging for your job back after after you go out there cold call. You're going to hate it. And uh, he gave me nothing. He gave me a, a Sandmark catalog and some business cards and some samples. And uh, I literally just went out and hustled. And uh, and my my very first big order that I ever got on a cold call was for Adobe because uh, it was when Silicon Valley was really booming. So I got a 20,000 piece order from Adobe for a product launch. Um, and you know, I came back, I was all proud of myself and he said, yeah, you know, beginner's luck, you know, <laughs> he still wasn't sold. You can me. do it once, but can you do it 10 times it, in a row? Yeah. Right. You're only as good as your last deal, man. Yeah. But, uh, the following week I, I landed an order for Intel corporation for 50,000 pieces. And then, uh, yeah, he said, Tim's in sales now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my journey out of production and into the sales side of the industry, selling screen right. printing and embroidery, you know. That's great. And and uh, so you were doing printing and then you eventually morphed over to the supplier side, right? And you were yeah. big folks. Yeah, that was a that was another transition. You know, I I eventually um, I went on to start my own company and moved to Vegas, and uh, I was working for Reebok as a licensed apparel rep at that time, and I started my own marketing company, promotional marketing company called the Marketing Group, and uh, I was doing really well there. And um, then the the crash of two thousand eight kind of happened, and, and Vegas got hit really hard, and. I was just ready to to just kind of take a break. So I, I sold my business uh, in 2010 and moved back to the Bay Area again. 
Um, I'm a California guy at heart, so I, I went home and uh, took a year off. You know, I, I lived in Napa, drank wine, and ate at good restaurants, and just hung out for about a year. <laughs> but I, wow. I started getting bored. Uh, and a friend of mine, Eddie Brasha, from a company called Sonoma Design Apparel, who some of you may know out there, uh, he offered me a job to run uh, a business that he had just bought in Napa called Napa Valley Clothing Company. So I, w- I was running that business for him and, and built a sales team and a production team there. And uh, a rep from Bodick and Rhodes, who who uh, Alpha Brother had acquired, or not yet, but eventually required, acquired, uh, the rep said, hey, have you ever thought about selling blanks, you know, on the supplier side? You got a really great background, you know? I said, I never really thought about it, but, you know, I, I'm always down to try something new. I love to sell, and, you know, it, it'd be a nice change for me. So I did. I, I went to work for them, uh, worked for Mark Held and for the, the Bodick and Rose family, Hal and Mike. I was there for about four years. I was the Northern California rep for them. Um, and at the time, Next Level Apparel was really coming up. And uh, it was kind of, you know, it was on a hockey stick trajectory. It was kind of the hot new brand. And so we were the exclusive uh, supplier of Next Level at Bodick. And um, there was a little spiff going on where if you sold more next level, you could make a little extra money as a, as a rep, you know. And uh, so I, I focused on next level and it was easy to sell. It was a great brand. It was soft. It was new. It was different. So I sold a ton of it. And uh, so I was at the sales meeting uh, in Philly. And uh, the sales manager, uh, Mark Seymour, I don't know if I should even be telling this story. <laughs> Mark and I had a conversation and he, he basically said, you know, you should probably come work for Next Level. You know, I keep hearing uh, your name. So anyway, so I did. I accepted an offer with Next Level uh, and went to work for them as their Western Regional Sales Manager. Uh, so I had some people that worked under me, including my my now wife, Melissa Gibson. We actually met at Next Level. And um, I left. Uh, obviously, that's an HR issue. You can't uh, can't <laughs> can't manage your wife in, in a company. Uh, but I, I was ready for a change. And, um, you know, I was really excited uh, to be recruited by Bella Canvas. So I, I saw Megan Spire. <laughs> Uh, at a trade show and I, she was a friend of mine and I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about making a move, you know, and uh, I want to use you as a reference. I never even thought about working at Bella because at the time it was, it was all pretty girls and no guys. <laughs> so uh, Megan said, Oh, you're leaving next. Oh, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's time to make a move. And she said, Oh, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Use me as a reference. And uh, I went back to my, my booth at magic and not even 10 minutes later i got a call from danny harris the owner of bella canvas and uh he said i'd love to talk to you don't do anything till you talk to me and i said okay so i did i went back to la met with danny on the steps of bella canvas and uh he offered me a job on the spot so i i took it and um it was a great, great gig. You know, I've been I've been blessed, as you mentioned, to work for a lot of great brands. And this and that's a long story. Um, so I'm tr- I'm trying to give you just the cliff notes, but uh, yeah, yeah. And then and then you went on to uh, Champion with Haynes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, went on it, to Haynes and Champion until March of this year. And now you're uh, with your new gig. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a long journey, you know. And uh, I started, you know, I'd started my own company called High Voltage Merch, music and merch, High Voltage Studios. Uh, really, it's just it was kind of a passion project of my wife and I. We we're like, you know, we should just have our own little shop and just a small boutique shop. So the front of the building, which I'm actually sitting in now, is the recording studio. This is the control room, and then on the other side of this glass here is the live room. So there's a bunch of instruments and stuff in there. So I have a full blown recording studio out here in Austin, Texas, and then the other half of the building is a screen printing shop. So we just uh, we just work with you know. Certain clients, we, we do a lot for artists, you know, we do a lot of band merch, distilleries, breweries, but we're very selective, you know, we don't, we're not trying to get big and, uh, and I'm too busy, you know, so yeah. I, I recently just took a position with Supacola. And right. uh, those are some great guys, you're gonna have a lot of fun there. Yeah, I really liked that. I really wasn't looking, you know, and, uh, but I, but I ran into to Rum and Hazel. Uh, VP of sales there at, a, at an event recently. And, and we just talked for like two hours and uh, I thought it'd be fun. Again, it's another challenge. You know, I went from selling screen printing embroidery to selling blanks. Now I'm selling transfers and DTF, you know, yeah. but, uh, it's just a great culture they have over there. I, I tend to lean into companies that got a little swagger, you know, and, right. and are, you know, disruptive. And I like that. I'm, I'm that kind of person. And, and I think we align in, in our styles. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited to be at Supercolor. So I think this is my next question, I think, is going to make a lot of sense. You just, if you're listening right now, you just heard all of that, right? So Tim has been jumping around. And of course, these were years at these companies, not like, you know, five months at these companies, right? And but he's he's always been the top producer, right? So for for those listening right now, Tim, so what are some of the unbreakable habits that you've built over your career, right? Because sales is sales, whereas what the product is, right? That have led to your success, because I want people to hear that. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. I I wish I could, you know, market it and box it like you do. And (laughs) but it's pretty simple for me. And I keep it simple, really. I you know, it's for me, it's a matter of relationships. I'm a relationship seller. Um, But I, you know, I do my homework when I when I have I have targets. Right. I I pick people I want to work with. And, and I, I relentlessly pursue them and I'm, I'm fearless. I think, I think you have to be fearless in sales because there is a lot of rejection, you know, people get rejected all the time, but you you just got to ignore that, you know? And so I do, I pick people that I want to work with big targets. I aim high and, uh, and I just relentlessly pursue them. And I, I find a way in, whether that's, you know, through the, through their gatekeeper or whoever may, I just don't give up, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you got to put it on the back burner and you're just getting stonewalled, but I I never forget, you know, I, I just come back to them later. Uh, And, and eventually I just got to get in front of them. I I feel like once I get in front of somebody and I've been able to establish some kind of common ground and a relationship, uh, then things start happening. You know, and it, it's it's not just relations. You still got to be, you still got to be good at what you do, right? You have to be knowledgeable. You have to know what you're selling, know your product, but really, you know, find find common ground with with the person you're speaking to, and be genuine, right? I don't I don't like people that come off like a car salesman, 
I uh, nobody I likes have, that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have any canned pitch. You know, some people yeah. say Give me elevator pitch. I say I don't have one because yeah. everybody's different. They may not want to be approached that way. So, so do you like know. like try to find out? You know, I'm I'm big in like problem solving. I try to find the problem or what's what you know, just you know, how does whatever you're doing kind of would help or you're in alignment with what they need and you're trying to figure that stuff out by asking questions and of course the research stuff. So, you know, how does that kind of fit into what you do? What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is is the one thing that nobody does enough of, and that's listen. You right. Know? Listen for for their pain points and, and how you can be a resource, how you can solve problems for them, you know, and and look for, you know, I look at everything. When I go into somebody's office, I look around their, their desk. I look at pictures of their kids. I look for things to talk about that's going to kind of bring down that wall of, you know, oh, God, another sales salesperson, you know, and then find that common ground and listen, you know, listen to where their needs are and find somewhere where you can fit in. You know, you, you may not get everything, but if you get, you know, part of their business or, or start with maybe one skew or one style or something and prove yourself, um, it just keeps growing. You know, you yeah. establish a relationship and over time, uh, yeah, those become lifelong customers. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I think a lot of people that are in sales just give up too soon, right? So it's usually not the first or second or third conversation or email or phone call or whatever. It's the 17th. <laughs> you know, it's, it is. You, yeah. You're knocking on that door consistently. And then it's a lot of times it's a timing thing. They didn't need it, but now they do, right? Yeah. yeah no me, doesn't mean no. It can mean just mean no right now. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's just always been my... You know, my recipe, so to speak, is don't be high pressure. Don't be annoying. You know, make sure they know who you are when when they need you. If they don't need you right now, to your point, you know, they, they seem to always come back around sooner or later. Like what you hear so far? Be sure to subscribe so you can get the latest from Success Stories. And now here's Zach shortly with the SNS Spotlight. Trying to find truly responsibly and sustainable made styles can be a real challenge, especially if you don't know the details of how something is made or where it comes from. So to give you a helping hand, we're doing the heavy lifting for you with a redefined sustainable product category and an improved filter functionality that'll quickly lead you to what you and your clients are looking for on our website. Thanks to lots of extensive research and the help of our brand partners, we've been able to develop a set of criteria that classifies a product as a sustainable style. Now when you visit our website, you'll be able to sort through our selection using four new filters, geared to narrow down the elements of sustainable products that are most important to you. For example, if you want products from companies who are donating a percentage of profits towards environmental or social causes, there's a filter for that. Or if you're looking for something made with renewable materials, we've got you covered there too. So the next time you're in need of sustainable apparel, check out our sustainable styles on ssactivewear.com. Thanks for listening. I think one of the things, you know, I talk to a lot of people and and a lot of people, God, my just sales are just awful. I just don't have any sales. And, you know, what should I do? Should I do paper clutch? Should I do social media? I go, no, you should just get in front of people. 
right? You should be going to them and, and talking with them or cold calling and just showing up and just finding out what they need or a trade show booth or whatever, just to get in front of people, right? More than anything. And, um, and one of the things I always ask them is, all right, so yesterday or today, what was your sales activity like? How many phone calls did you make? And they'll say none. <laughs> I go, well, here's your sales problems. You don't have any sales activity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so what's your typical day, Tim? What do you, I mean, you're emailing, you're phone calling, you're, you're seeing people. I mean, what tends to like bring you the best results? I think that, you know, kind of like getting in front of folks, like what's the, what's the, What's yeah. the secret sauce? It's definitely a process, and, and I'm consistent. I, I did have a mentor of mine at one point tell me to plan the work and work the plan, you know, and, and I took that to heart. And uh, and I do that. I plan, you know, I plan at least a quarter out usually. You know, I plan a whole quarter out as far as, like, when my travel is going to be, what area I'm going to be in, who I'm going to see in that area. Uh, very specific and strategic i call it surgical selling because you know i I know who i'm who my customer that i'm looking for is uh and i utilize my network if if i don't have relationship there then i find somebody in my network that does and you know we all know so many people and have friends like you and lots of other people in the industry that are always willing to help you know and do and do an introduction uh so i'm i'm very meticulous about my process and and how i plan for that so on on the daily you know i get up i I try to go to the gym or at least come out here and play drums or guitar for a little bit just to kind of meditate um and just kind of get my mind right for the day and then i'm disciplined you know when you work remote you have to be disciplined Uh, and i I've always been remote, so I, I've always been disciplined about when it's time to work, it's time to work. So when I when I do get in front of my desk and I crack open my emails and my CRM, um, I start working my plan, you know. Yeah. And what think, CRM tool are you using? Uh, at a Supercolor, we use HubSpot. And, okay. Uh, and it's great. I've, I've used Salesforce in the past, uh, but but HubSpot HubSpot's great. You know, a lot of a lot of salespeople are afraid of it. They think it's you know, Big Brother's watching, but it's so not that. It's probably the single greatest tool as a salesperson that you can utilize if you have it. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So I think many people struggle to identify who could be their next top customer. In fact. Just the notion of top customer. I think a lot of people have never done an 80-20 where they're looking at, you know, 20% of your revenue comes, uh, you know, uh, 80% of your revenue comes from your top 20% of your customers, right? And we just focus on, I just want to sell to everybody instead of being very niche driven, looking for uh, the big domino that's really going to be impactful, right? So when you're looking on, your lead generation list, and maybe because you mentioned you do things a quarter out, right? How do you work up that list? How do you kind of start that research? What do you kind of look for? Yeah, so I mean, it's different at every company that I've been at. Um, I'll use Supercolor for an example because I'm I'm there, and so I, I find out who we're not working with. Like who are, who are we not working with already? 
who maybe are we working with that maybe we could have some growth with like who who's you know who's currently in the system and who do we currently have a relationship and then I ask, you know, who do you want to have a relationship? <laughs> yeah, so I had long, long conversations with Rum and Hazel, like, who do we want to work with? And um, so my role as enterprise sales manager is to find those very high-level customers uh, in our space um, that, that we should be working with. So I I obviously have a very specific list. I won't mention them on this call. <laughs> you could you could take a guess, right? You know what we sell and uh, yeah. you know how uh, how super color uh, what they produce. So you can imagine. But yeah, yeah. we had we, we built a list together. I had I had certain ones in mind off the top of my head and, and some rum's already working with, which is right. great. And some other people on our team. We have a really great team at Supercolor. Yeah, you do. Supercolor's yeah. got a, a great, a great staff. So amazing staff. And uh, so I, yeah, I just try to add to that and be a part of this great team. And and you know, not everybody can be to your point everything to everyone. You know, so I, you know, I, I started with my network, right? Like some people I knew that were on that list and, and I'll continue to do that. Um, and, you know, it's the same with, with high voltage, you know, and when I started that, I said, you know, I really like this distillery up the street. I want their business. <laughs> so I started hanging out there, yeah. you know. Yeah, just because you like their vodka, let's do some bourbon. shirts, right? <laughs> it's bourbon, actually. It's, but it's bourbon. Really there you go. All right. Uh, and the food. I was good. thinking Tito's because you're in Texas. You know? <laughs> Tito's is another. Yeah. So, so yeah, I pick you know people I want to work with. There's certain right. bands, bands and artists here uh, and around the country that I really like uh, that I targeted. Like I want to, I want to produce merch for these guys. These guys are cool, and I like their their music, and I want to work with them. And same thing. I just I pursue. I find a way in and make friends and and I'm now I'm printing for for quite a few of those so I also think it's important to have some guardrails about who you don't want to talk to like oh, so yeah. they'll never do business with us or they're just a pain in the ass or they don't pay on time or there's a, a, a litany of reasons right so uh it's important to really know that right and do you have kind of a mindset of the as a, as well we do. I mean, I'll, I'll just be transparent. I'm not the greatest at firing customers, but my wife is. So <laughs> she oh, does all. So the you, you bring you bring in the uh, you bring in the the hit squad and say, "Get Melissa on." <laughs> yeah, she does all the pricing and invoices because I'm too nice. You know, I'll do stuff yeah. for cheaper than i should because i like people or they're a musician yeah. and i know they don't have a lot of money and but yeah melissa's really good at saying we don't want to work with schools we don't want to work with <laughs> there's certain right. people that don't really fit into our niche and, and our right. you know, our brand you know we're very on brand as far as the, the name and and the music vibe well, here it's, it's it's being in alignment okay and and i know you know this right but if you're in alignment with your customer and then their customers in alignment with you, it's not about the money, right? They value what you do and they value what you deliver. And it's not because we don't want to sell ink on cotton. We want to sell the results, right? And, yeah. uh, and, and what is that result? And if you really are focused on that, the, the price doesn't matter so much if you have the right customer. There's always a tire kicker person that'll get a nickel cheaper somewhere else. I mean, let them get a nickel cheaper somewhere else because they don't value what you do. do. Do you agree with that? 
Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. We, we never hardly ever get pushback on price. And, and if we do, it's usually somebody who wasn't maybe that serious. Like you said, they're a tire kicker and you know, most of the people, all of our business here at high voltage has been word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it. Like we've done no real advertising. We don't do a ton on social media. We're starting to, but uh, it's all been word of mouth, you know? Well, if you can get your customers to evangelize for you, that's the best thing ever. Yeah. You know, absolutely right. 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 So, Hey, let's wind it up. Let's talk about the future. Right. So it's one thing that we know in this industry, because you've been in it for a long time, just like me, it's like, there's new fabrics, there's new decoration techniques, there's new equipment, new software, new customers that come out of the woodwork, right? You know, what are you really excited about these days? And just was like, oh, my God, I can't get enough of that. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I was excited about, about transfers and DTF. Of course. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't yeah, know why you're saying that. I don't want to be a homer, but I mean, I was a customer of Soup Color uh, right. before I started work. And, and I, you know, I was telling people at the show, the last show is that, you know, screen printers, because a lot of them are afraid of it. And I said, you know, it's not, it's not here to replace screen printing. Screen printing will never be replaced. You know, everybody yeah, thought right. you know, DTG was going to wipe out screen. screen printing will always rule, but it's, it's a compliment, you know, and I was, I was showing this one uh, screen printer that was very much against you know, DTF or transfer. And I said, can you print this good? I don't think you can because nobody can. Nobody can print this good. You know, maybe maybe a few guys, you know, maybe Eric from Night Owls might be able to do something that clean. <laughs> Not many people in the country can print that clean with that opacity, that hand uh, that you can get out of out of you know our our transfers. I would say yeah. I wouldn't say right. I wouldn't say they're all created equally, but well, yeah, not so. all transfers are made the same, right? Yeah. And uh, but what I'll tell you uh, is, I think a lot of printers forget that they're business people or entrepreneurs and they see things through the glasses of I'm a screen printer. And is that screen printing? No, it must suck. Mm-hmm. It's not screen printing. It sucks. Right. And, and, and they, they poo poo DTG the same way or any other thing. Right. And, and so, but if you look at um, the reasons why, especially in this print on demand online store world that we live in now, where every uh, you know, nobody's ordering a thousand shirts anymore. They're ordering that same shirt a thousand times yeah. on different days, right? And so, how are you going to facilitate that and and it'd be profitable, right? And I think this is where uh, a digital heat apply graphic transfer, whatever you want to call it fits in very nicely with that. Yeah. I mean, you can take jobs that normally you would not take, right? Because, and you can still be profitable. You know, you can do 12 pieces or 24 and still make a really, probably a better margin than you could do, you know, running 144 at a low price. You can make more actual profit. So, Well, I I know, I know people are doing DTF stuff. They're making 40% net profit on jobs. Yeah. Right. A screen printer is never going to touch that unless I guess you're supreme or somebody that you, you're selling that shirt for 150 bucks or something. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm super excited about um, AI. You know, I, I know you're passionate about it, obviously. And, and uh, yeah. I've been experimenting a lot with mid journey since I, I took your class and, 
joined your newsletter. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing people, people that aren't getting, you know, acclimated to AI are going to get left behind. You know, it, it's right. absolutely the future. And if, if we can find a way certainly to, to take those AI images and convert them quickly through an API system, for example, to convert them into to transfers or DTG or, or screen printing for that matter quickly, I mean, it's just, I, I'm excited to see the art that is going to be generated over the next five years because of AI. Uh, we're just getting going with it. And and, and uh, I thank you for listening right now. And you haven't dipped your toe into the pond, right? The time is now to kind of start playing with it. And uh, you'll be amazed at the results. And of course, it's like anything. You got to know how to use the tool, right? It's a different type of thinking where you, you know, if you're designing something in Illustrator, Photoshop or whatever, you know how to use the pen tool or the crop tool or use, you know, separate with channels and all that stuff. With mid-journey, you're using words, okay? And your words really matter, <laughs> okay? And, um, and, yeah, and prompts, those are the prompts, right? They really matter. And uh, the order that you put them in matters and the words matter. And of course, there's all these like techniques and tricks and things that you can do, which is what I try to help people with as the newsletter. But you could just try this on your own, right? And uh, and and play with it. And uh, I think it's just, we're just getting started and it's just getting better, right? And um so it's it's super exciting and and you should try other platforms. You know, I use Midjourney. I, I I think it gives you the best results, but you should try Dolly Three and Stable Diffusion and uh, the Photoshop Suite and all that stuff. Totally try yeah. it. and tr- take the same prompt and put it in different platforms to see. It's like a taste test. You know, what yeah. does it give you, right? And you have that yet? Like, have you just tried some of the different ones with the exact same? I, I do them all because <laughs> I want to know, right? I want to know, right? And uh, and I keep coming back to mid-journey because the actual image is always better. Right mm-hmm. now, like, it doesn't do text. You know, right now, currently, as we're talking, uh, you know, Dolly 3 can put text in there, right? And, uh, but... I'm kind of an OCD guy. I'm an ex art director. And so I want to choose my font and the kerning and the outline. I, you know, it's just like the fact that it's doing that for me kind of freaks me out a little bit. But with these AI stuff, sometimes you give up that control. Does it look good? Could I use it right now? Yeah. Could I make a change or edit? Sure. Right. Mid-journey will use text eventually, right? Their big thing right now is just trying to get off of Discord and onto their own website. That's they're, that's yeah. their big push right now. So, well, they've already kind of there's a beta version. If you haven't played with that, you should. But but you know, it's like you got to get in there and, and start screwing around with it. And what this means is, especially for folks that are doing heat apply graphics, is the great thing about that is it's unlimited colors anyway because it's it's a four color process based thing, right? There's no halftones, perfect blends, great texture, all types of stuff. And if you can learn to create your image so it would already look great as a transfer by using words like isolated or sticker or vector file or something like that, you're already ahead of the game. Yeah. And um, so that's just it's just awesome. 
Yeah, that's I mean, that's probably the single most exciting thing that I'm just like really enjoying watching, um, you know, what's coming out. Because there's some really talented artists out there that are already good artists. And now they're utilizing AI, you know, Alex Spurrier, one of them, he's a friend of mine, and, and he's doing some amazing things with AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met him at uh, the Fort Worth ISS show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, cool. So, um, anyway, Tim, thank you so much for sharing your story of success with us today. What's the best way to contact you if someone wants to learn more about what you do or maybe how you can help them? Yeah, uh, they can reach me two ways. So, they can reach me uh, personally at Tim at High Voltage Live dot com or they can reach me at tim at supercolor.com you're the only tim at supercolor uh, well, apparently there was one a long time ago but he's not there anymore so oh you absorbed the email address I'm awesome i'm keeping it yeah nobody's <laughs> taking it from me yeah yeah you're gonna get his like credit card bill in the, in the or something right you're gonna get some some guy's gonna email you about something you're like what is this about yeah <laughs> All right. Well, hey, well, thanks so much, Tim. I appreciate you as always. Appreciate you. You too, man. Good to see you, Marshall. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest Success Stories episodes. Have any suggestions for future guests or topics? Send them my way at marshall at marshallatkinson.com. And we'll see you next time.